Welcome to another Mystery School. My name is Jacob Cox, and our topic tonight is Hermeticism. Uh, it is something I really, really do enjoy. I love esoteric information. Um, I really love like Gnosticism, and I think Hermeticism and Gnosticism are very close together. We'll do an episode on Gnosticism uh, probably in the next couple months, but it's one that I feel like it's important um, coming straight from you know our man Hermes Trismegistus, um, somebody who has been passed down uh, for many, many thousands, if not even longer. Um, so his name brings out, you know, someone like Jesus or Buddha, but it's a little bit more unknown. It's a little bit more secret, but he's definitely at least um, even in the, in the history that we're taught in school or uh, not something you taught in school, but at least the, the accepted history that we have today, you know, we're talking about before Jesus, before Buddha, but you know, if, if he is someone who is like Thoth and Atlantean, is probably a much older even than that. So, again, he's a he's a super cool guy to talk about. We're going to talk about mainly the seven Hermetic principles tonight, and I think we'll talk about these in a way hopefully that can help you in your life, um, master yourself, master your emotions, your your life, your spirit, and um, you know really help you to become the person that you were meant to be. And that's exactly what we're sharing tonight. So we want to talk about Hermeticism. Again, I told you guys, it's an ancient spiritual philosophy tradition that comes from a collection of texts uh, called the Corpus Hermetica. Um, and that is written by the legendary Hermes Trismegistus, who was, pay, who, was, who was said to have profound knowledge and spiritual wisdom. Um, and again, this guy is passed down through the, the eons and the ages um, and, you know, so revered so incredible so spectacular on par with someone like jesus or buddha or krishna um and what he's associated with the emerald tablets and those kind of things we'll talk about that a little bit here but uh, that'll be another episode as well um yeah he said to have profound wisdom and information uh called hermes in greece and thoth the atlantean in egypt and again if he comes from atlantis my guess is and other people you know atlantis was around thirteen thousand years ago when it sunk in the day so it was around probably even before that so we're talking about this guy could be this Henry's Trismegistus can be from a, a, a much much older time period a time where many things were a lot different than they are on the planet today uh, which I think is really cool um, but he's definitely associated with Thoth and Hermes and even more people too he's suspected to be Moses or at least associated with Moses in some way in Muslim the writings uh, say that he is Idris, which is Enoch, and I think that's pretty crazy. And then some people in South America even, you know, claim that not in South America, but around the world, say the uh, God was a quaddle. Um, they say they could be him too. And I, and although I think that's very possible that he could be these different people, one thing I think is really important to realize is enlightened beings would have similar understandings and of the universe and spirituality and probably have similar teachings. So it is, you know, it could be, I'm not going to say either way that he is all those people, but I would say that they're probably more, more likely different. It could be the fact that he is both and Hermes at the same time. And just based on where you go and the language that they speak, they might call you something different. Uh, of course, you know, like just Christ in general is not a name, but a title. The Buddha is a title. That was not their name. The one, when they became the anointed one, that's what Christ means. When they become the anointed one, you, your name changes. And I think that's important to realize. And it's something that 
even today, like the Pope, when they become the Pope, they change their name into something to symbolize the same thing. Although we know that they're not that that person that has done that work and become an anointed one, become a Christ, become a Krishna, become a Buddha. Um, so it's important to realize that, you know, enlighten people's names. There's a stone written on it. And the Bible says that with your name on it. And I think that is when you become this enlightened being, you realize this, this Christed name, this Christed name that's there for you. Um, and I think it's like a title, like doctor or anything else, but this is to me, you know, our Mary, I think would be what, um, women were given back in the day that they're married, they're masculine and feminine, their energies are married. And so those, again, so those for me are titles, but, um, I do think that Hermes Trismegistus was definitely a real being who passed these teachings and understandings down to his disciples, just like other teachers have throughout history. And these are things that were super important and we have passed down and, uh, through the ages and the aeons and the eras and everything to make sure that this incredibly important information doesn't get lost. So. So, yeah, that's um, that's where I think we're at. I think we're we're talking about a guy, Hermes Trismegistus, that is an enlightened being who, beyond time and space, who has mastered himself, who sees into other dimensions, and, you know, he's here to share that information with us. So um, Hermeticism is also closely associated to the Emerald Tablet, what I was talking about earlier, which is said to be guarded by the Great White Brotherhood. And that's something that I... Knew before, but it didn't ring a bell until obviously the last last week's episode or two weeks ago, three weeks ago, when we did the Hopi, Hopi prophecy. And it's funny because the Hopi are waiting for the great white brother, right? And upon reading this, to you know, reading this information and going back, that's why it's so awesome to go back on things that you've read and stories that you've um, dived into um, about spirituality and things. You can always go back and almost learn something new. And when you kind of change and you become this, you know, kind of deeper person understanding and you go back and you read something you read before. And it's like, wow, I take on so much more. I'm learning so much more understanding more than I did that first time I read it. But to me, I was like, what a, what a great synchronicity. What a coincidence. Um, I don't believe in coincidences, but that, you know, it's guarded by the great wide brotherhood. And, you know, they, they said, the hope you said they were, they were going to have artifacts. They were going to have, spiritual symbols and things like that. And they were going to come back to the Hopi people. And that's how they would know who they were. And these people, the great white brotherhood are literally um, guarding this Emerald tablet, which would be an incredible artifact to have just to see. I mean, it's described as a four foot long, three foot wide uh, Emerald tablet with the seven hermetic principles on it and other information. So it's cool. Maybe the Great White Brotherhood shows up in uh, Arizona and New Mexico and and comes and, and talks to them and, and brings them that information. Who knows? But uh, at this point, anything's possible. So I'm open to it all. Um, that's just my wishful thinking, I guess. But I think it is. I think that the information is that connected and they're, they're, these people passing down these prophecies were that right on. And you have to open up your mind and, and make the connections and connect the dots. And, and eventually there's this crazy puzzle that's there. And that's what's so awesome about mysteries to me. I absolutely love it. I mean, I don't know all the answers, but I know everything at this point is somehow connected to each other. And I'm, I'm just doing my best to put that together and share it with you guys. So, but anyway, these texts, uh, you know, from the Corpus Hermetica, um, 
they're really important and they have all kinds of in really natural laws of the universe on them. And our basic understanding of that comes from the Kabbalan, um, the Kabbalion. Um, it's a study of the hermetic philosophy of ancient Egypt and Greece. This is the most modern, one of the most modern books about hermeticism, kind of our modern understanding back in 1908 is when this book came out. It was originally published in 1908 by the three initiates. In the beginning of the book, it says it will appear to you when you're ready for the wisdom. And that to me is how I feel about a lot of things where I have opened myself up, opened my bowl up, asked God and my angels and spirit guides to guide me to information that I need to feel, that I need to see, that I need to read, that I need to know, that I need to remember. Uh, Cause I feel like I've been gathering up this information for lifetimes and now it just kind of comes through me sometimes and I download it and I see these breadcrumbs that connect to other things. So um, I think that's, a profound statement to say that these things are ready. <clears throat> it reminds me of that saying, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And that I found to be true so often in my life now that I'm actually ready for it and I'm willing to listen to other people and learn from other people. Um, I find that all the time. And there are things that I didn't even know that I need to know that someone gives me when I'm ready for it. And so I think that's really cool that that's one of the first sentences in there. And, um, so most of these concepts, um, I just knew a lot of these concepts have the seven hermetic principles. I knew for myself all of a sudden, like there'd be things that would happen and be like, that's just how that works. And this is how it is. And, uh, in meditations, I would have downloads of the whole understanding of like a part of the part of the hermeticism. And I wouldn't get like the whole seven at one time, but I, I definitely got, you know, one at one time and another at another time. And I knew some of these things, you know, and I was like, wow, you know, it's really cool that, you know, it's just in a split second in a meditation or, you know, just relaxing and, you know, asking the universe to fill up your cup. I've been like, you know, downloaded with really cool things. And, and then eventually, you know, I would, I would come up with one or two of these things at a time. And then I would find the whole thing somewhere, you know, and back in the early 2000s where this information really wasn't really available. Like, you might see a TikTok or some kind of short on one of these principles or these topics. It wasn't wasn't that way as much back then. So I felt really, you know, like cool. And I was part of this secret club that knew some things that everybody else didn't know about and didn't even almost honestly care about. So um, I think that is really important to realize for everyone listening and watching tonight and that will listen is information and comes to you. The universe is not like God is back towards you. It loves you. It cares about you. It, you know, everything is happening for you to grow, to learn. And if you're receptive to that and you understand that and you're looking for breadcrumbs, man, those synchronicities will happen and you'll, the things that you're looking for, you'll find them more. So these texts describe the nature of existence and they have a mystical, spiritual, and philosophical insights. The rediscovery of these texts and information has helped cultures bloom into Renaissance because of our experience is based on what we think. So, you know, if we think, you know, everything's limited, resources are limited, and we and we believe that as a society, as a, as a culture, we're limited. You know, we really believe that. So things are limited. And um, when we change our view, and sometimes it only takes a few of us to do that, we can change the collective consciousness of a, you know, of a state, of, a, of an area, of a, of a continent. Uh, of our world eventually um, that really works for everybody. So 
I think that's really important to realize, like, um, these things are, you know, for you and for the, for the initiate, the person who's ready for who's made that, that empty bowl, who's got rid of all the things that you were told and said, I'm willing to look at things a different way. I'm willing to read things. And you know, I, I don't ever say go into anything, believe in it. Don't believe it or disbelieve it. Give it its due, read about it, you know, listen to your intuition and then go on to the next thing. And then you never know, you may be called back to that information again at some point. I know I have almost everything I ever got in, uh, got excited about things I felt really attracted to. I'd always work my way back around to it. Something else would push me back in there and, and I would get to look at it and learn it deep, more deeply into it. So, um, so yeah, how we think about things having limited resources can definitely limit our reality because that's how we think. So collectively, the more people who believe certain ideas, the more the effect the field, um, you know, so I was saying earlier, like we believe things and we truly know it in our hearts that transmits into the people you're closest to. And when you go to work and so it really starts to, uh, take the spell out, you know what I mean? We're under a spell of programming to believe a certain way and to think a certain way and to feel or not feel. And that's really important. So we, we're here to come break that spell, you know, hallelujah, amen, whatever you want to call it. We're really, we're here to break a spell that we, you know, that uh, a few people work really hard to keep it. And it's information like these hermetic principles, I believe certain people know, um, and they don't want us to know because if people know some of these underlying laws of the universe, they can use them forever they want to. It's just a tool. You know, you can use a gun to hunt or you can use it to murder people. Um, it doesn't make the gun bad or anything. It's just what a tool that you use it for. You can do the same thing with a garden tool. Uh, you can hurt people with it or, or till up your, your land. So we have to realize that information that's been esoteric, that seems to be negative or evil or something like that. We need to look at it with a new way and say, okay, I'm willing to look at this just how it is wrong or right. Um, I'm not going to judge it anyway, but I, I definitely need to give it its day in the sun and check it out. So that's what we're doing here today. Um, but these ideas help us help us see the true nature and help us jailbreak the matrix. And that's what I feel like is most important. We are here. We are here to jailbreak the matrix, right? We have been put under a spell. A few people care enough to know some of these things, but they don't want to share it with us. And they do it to their advantage. Plain and simple. That's it. And I feel like the more we know, the more we understand, the better. And that helps us, you know, live the lives that we want to live and what's good for everybody. And I feel like that's the innate feeling in most people is is you want to do good and you want everyone to feel good and you want to feel good yourself and you don't really want to take advantage of people. You don't really want to hurt people. I think people do that because they have no resources or, or at least they feel like they have no resources or access and, you know, they're hungry or, you know, cold or hurting. And, you know, I, I feel like we've seen a lot of that happening in our world because of the lack of energy and resources that people have in the past couple of years. And I think that alone would change everything. If people had those things, you wouldn't have to feel like you need to go take from other people. So Let's get back in. So let's get into it. So this information really honestly belongs to nobody. Um, to me, this is the deep truth of the universe, which is revealed to the initiated that seeks deeper consciousness. These understandings come to people. Um, that being said, if every if every book was torn up, burned, thrown away, and we didn't have any information, 
there would be certain things, certain laws of the universe that people would find out and figure out that would come back no matter what. And the hermetic principles, these ideas, uh, they may not come back in the same way, but I think they would come back in a very similar way. Most of these uh, seven laws, and some people even say they're 12, we're going to just explore seven today. They're very interconnected. They're very overlapping to each other, um, but they're pretty basic when you start to realize like, yeah, man, that really is true. So there's so many, there's so much to think about that really. You know what I mean? Like certain information, certain religions, they would never come back, but there are certain mathematics, certain truths, certain understandings, whether anybody wants to believe them or not, they're still the truth. And those things would still come back. And I believe these hermetic principles would do that. And uh, last thing I want to say before we get into it, I think I love these principles so much because they're so dualistic. It's so much about duality. And I told you guys before, I'm a Gemini. So I love, I'm that air sign. I love that information. I love duality. Uh, I always play the devil's advocate when I was a kid. Probably one of my funnest things to do was someone to be on one side of something and I could totally just take it the other side. Not that I thought more about that side, but I could always see both sides of the story. And I was, you know, it felt really good to me to <laughs> maybe a little bit mischievous in a way, but it felt really good to me to just take that other side for somebody and say, well, what about this? What if this happened? You know, it just helped them see the other side and, you know, not that one or the other is better, but both have valid points and both are, you know, both are here for a reason. And sometimes it's, you know, it's, it, to me, it felt better to be able to see both sides of the story, both sides of an opinion. Um, and we'll get, we'll get into that a little bit more later on one of these principles, but um, uh, let's go ahead and move through it. So here they are, the seven hermetic principles by Hermes Trismegistus. Trismegistus. Number one, the principle of mentalism. You guys probably heard this one for sure. The all is mine, the universe is mental. So basically, when it comes down to it, saying the universe is like one huge brain. Uh, the principle of mentalism states that the universe is one giant mind, like a mental pro projection. We are, in my opinion, like synapses in the ultimate mind, meaning, you know, synapses is where all the things start to connect. It's where that, you know, the big hot glowing spot is. I think that's us. I think as we learn more information, as you get connected to more things, to more people, to more events, to life itself, you become connected. And that's what we're looking for, right? Everybody's looking for connection. I don't have enough connection in my life. I need to go do this thing to feel better or whatever. But like, as you connect to the universe, to information, to people and everything else, you become like a huge synapsis, a bright light of energy, just like a sun or a star. Um, and that allows you to be able to flow energy more you know, quickly through yourself. And I feel like the more connections you have and the more things you have those aha eureka moments, you're making connections to yourself in the universe like a giant mind. Uh, I definitely felt like this many times. Uh, for me, I feel like this is the total true statement. I hope it, you guys understand it the way I explain it. Um, so using this law, we too can harness the power of our minds to create the life we want. So ultimately, that being said, this is kind of like the law of attraction principle. You know, as we think, so it shall be. Your thoughts shape reality. For anything to be a thought must precede it. It's like every single thing in the, this microphone, my water bottle, the camera. Someone had to think about that, how to design it, what it was for, what's it going to do, how's it going to work. Like every single thing had to be, every house, everything that's ever built, 
had to be designed. It had to be created in your mind first before it became a physical object. And I think uh, when you really think about that, it's really empowering because every thought that everybody had to come up with something, you have the same ability. We have the same brain, you know, two hemispheres. And it's just like, we're not using it to the full extent as some people did. And people like Tesla and Einstein, and they told us, they said, the brain isn't the creator of ideas. It's the receiver of them. So all you have to do is be in that receiving mode. And that's why certain things, you know, uh, technologies and things like that came at about the same time. When those things were needed, certain people were ready for it and they were listening. And those ideas came to them, the steam, the steam engine and the phone and everything else. Like, you know, it would be cool if we had this and it would help us out. And then certain people across the world at the same times came up with it. Uh, that's super important to know information in itself can should not be patented in any way because it all comes from source and we're all but receivers to it and i don't think patents really do us much of a favor in any way information and ideas are not inclusive to one individual one individual may have got it first they may have received it first but it's it's still you know something that is for all of us as much as the water or the food or anything else that are that are here. It's for every single one of us, not because we got more money in our pocket or taller or better looking or whatever. Everybody deserves the same amount of resources and um, you know, everybody's entitled to these ideas and nobody should be able to hoard it and say, it's mine. I'm the only person who can make money off of it. That's a capitalist society, you know, it's all about money. So right, let's keep going. So your thoughts shape reality. For anything to be, a thought must precede it. Through this principle, it's believed that God is consciousness, our thought, and the universe is a manifestation of the mind of God. And that is pretty cool in itself. Like our universe is a manifestation of the mind of God. And I've often believed that it's almost like one being becomes a universe and there are multiple universes out there. And you can become, as you take on more consciousness, I've always, you know, I've kind of felt this. You, know, you can become a planet or a star or a galaxy or a universe. You know, each person, as they expand their consciousness, they expand their physical matter that they are and that every galaxy is a living being just as much as we are. It's just one that's expanded themselves and their consciousness even more than the person have. And that may be what enlightenment is, is to, you know, when they said you don't have to be reincarnated again, you don't forget who you are. You no longer have to. You completely woke up. You're awake is what the Buddha called himself. And you move on, you transition to other things. And, you know, the work is never done. It's not like, oh, I'll get enlightened and then that's it. No, there's a lot more. You, you become a planet and create rivers and streams and places for people to live and love and be alive for billions of years. And then, you know, maybe a star, a galaxy, and even more, and just more expansionness, more consciousness. Um, I don't know. I just feel like there's a lot of, a lot of beautiful work out there and uh, who knows where it ends, but it's exciting. I think nonetheless to, just know that that's not the end. The end is not just to become an enlightened being and that's it. You know, everything's great. You know, there's, I feel like there's even more beyond that, beyond my wildest dreams. Who knows? So everything we do, everything we think or do is a thought. You know, when you think about, uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go work out and, you know, okay, you plan that out. You're going to go do it. You get the membership. You go out there. And like even working out is thoughts, like moving the bar up. You're not just muscles, just your brain is literally telling your arms to pull it up. And it's like, how is your brain even doing that? Telling my brain is telling my body to move in certain ways to get bigger and things like that. And you can literally get bigger just by thinking about it. So science, you know, science proves that just thinking about that for an hour a day, you can literally gain muscle mass by 
imagining working out without even doing it. Um, I think that's a pretty incredible thing. That just shows us how powerful our minds are, affect our body. You don't even have to do it. You can just, you know, just think about it enough that you could actually gain muscle mass. I mean, it's just incredible. We have not even yet begun, I believe, to dive deep into our own minds and our own brains and what we're capable of. And I think that's really exciting too. So when we recognize that our thoughts manifest every day, whether internally as a physiological or emotional state or externally, like the things we do in places we go, we see that when we control our mind, we control our lives. This is something we can master through meditation and discipline. And I think that is it. It's important, you know, not to uh, judge yourself because you got off track today and you went and did something or you, you know, did, you know, looked at something you shouldn't have looked at and normally wouldn't do or gave into a certain uh, feeling or something that's inside of you, whatever. And don't judge, just to get back on track. Discipline yourself to not do the things that you don't need to do and and say concentrated on the things that you do want to focus on and you do want to continue to do our consciousness is that is what allows us to interact with reality that is super important our consciousness is what allows us to interact with reality who we are the more that we are conscious of the more we interact with now, you think about that. I only have English and a little bit of sign language and a little bit of Spanish. So I, you know, normally can only connect with those people who speak those languages. However, the more languages I know, the more people I can interact with. The more I understand, the more I can interact with the things around me. I mean, I, you know, I realize now that you can speak the trees. So when I go out into the woods and to especially ancient forest groves and things like that, I'm receptive and I'm aware to ask the, you know, those trees to talk to me and give me any piece of information I don't know or I'm ready for. Um, so the more I'm aware of what's consciousness is and what is alive, the more I can interact with that. And that's really powerful. Um, I've asked the ocean before to give me a piece of the puzzle I didn't have and I had a huge download and got something really big. And so I love that saying, when you stare back, when you stare into the, into the ether, I don't think that's the actual quote, but when you stare into ether long enough, you realize the ether stares back. And that I have realized like the, this whole thing is alive. You know, the whole thing is consciousness. And we're just a small part of that, but we're connected to it as well. So it's really, it's really exciting. It's really incredible. The more conscious we obtain, the more we can interact with things around us to the point where you could probably move objects with your mind. You can lift things. You can, the things that we see on movies and Jedis and superheroes doing, there's none of that that we're not, that we can't do. And I think the thing that we love about those superheroes and we love about those, the Star Wars and the Jedis and the Force is that deep down there are archetypes of people like Christ and Buddhas who learn how to interact and not tell it what to do, I don't think, but at least interact somehow with the universe by asking it in some kind of you know cosmic dance. I mean, because I can move my arm here. My brain's just telling my, my arm to lift everything, but I don't really know how that works. So in some way, I would assume that, you know, the same thing is relative to things around us that we can interact with things. Um are beyond what we've been told in school and, and, and other places, but that really, honestly, there is no limits in the things that we do see that we're so attracted to, like those superheroes and 
and uh, Jedi's and things like that using the force. Certainly we can do as well. And then nothing is impossible with God. So, so the more that we are conscious of the, the more that we interact with, no, you can interact with some people, but you could eventually interact with all people. Like I said before, you can learn their language and not even like just languages, but body language, you know, people who are expert body languages so that, you know, just the way someone says something and their body says something completely different, I think it's really important too, because I, I've definitely felt that in my life as a behavior therapist. I'm, you know, what people say is, is great, but you know, I notice your behavior and I notice a lot more about somebody, whether they're telling the truth or not, based on their behaviors and how they act and things that they, they do and, um, you know, how they, help, how they hold themselves and everything. So that even that interaction is a small interaction with the universe and you can trust it and you have intuition about that it says, Hey, check that out, man. Watch that. They say that person did that same thing. That's no coincidence, you know, follow it, watch it. And so like I said, we can, we can interact with animals. We can interact with plants and the universe itself. And we can, you know, probably move in and out of, um, dimensions a lot easier than we think, uh, just with our own self, not, not needing, you know, some kind of shift or tools or whatever, you know, we can remote view and we can, we can really check up on things in other places that we shouldn't be able to and have telepathic thought with people, uh, in other countries and stuff. And even in other worlds and in the universe out in their spaceships, you can connect with people like that too. So literally the more that we're aware of, the more we can interact with. So as you think, so it will be in what an incredible first principle like everything's a mind we're a part of it and then that way there's nothing that you can't be can't know you know you can know you know everything um and i feel like even that is simple terms because i feel like the universe is constantly evolving there's more to gain but these basic principles you know you don't need books you could find it anywhere um as long as you're connected in that space and you're asking the universe to give you that information to guide you to show you the breadcrumbs that you need to see you could be in a prison somewhere locked away and be getting this information nothing can keep you from it and that's how powerful each and every single one of us are and when we know that it's like game over too <laughs> any kind of system that wants to you know um, put us down and and put a spell over us and make us think that we're this poor little me. They don't have a million dollars on a rough Ferrari. Like that's nothing in comparison to knowing these concepts and feeling connected uh, and feeling like a human being that has purpose. Uh, number two, the principle of correspondence. And a lot of you have heard this one, but as part of this uh, hermetic principles, number two, as above, so below, as below, so above, so within, so without, so without, so within. Pretty basic understanding what's above us is the same thing as what's below us what's within us is the same thing that's without that's what's out here and understanding this deep truth can help us in so many ways this principle embodies the truth that there's always a correspondence between laws and phenomena of the various planes of being in life if something is happening on the physical level then there has to be something on another level happening on some plane of existence. It's not just some random thing that's happening on one place. <clears throat> so harmony would be a balance of all dimensions of our being. This concept basically to me is the microcosm is in the macrocosm. 
the all is in the small. And when we study the universe, we understand ourselves better. So, and we know this, like life, like what happens in the cosmos happens in your body. And that's why astrology works, right? Because literally how these bodies, Jupiter and bigger planets have effect, you know, in smaller planets as well. Um, they have an effect on our bodies when they go retrograde, when they move around, when they line up. And that's something that's literally not just happening out there in the universe. It's happening in our bodies. And these bodies, these planets have these push and pulls on us. And they do have an effect on us. And literally, it's the same thing going on here. So, you know, what's going out of the universe? These planets are falling in love with each other. They're respecting each other. They're warring with each other or whatever there's going on. It's happening in us, too. And so it's so relative. Uh, I'm not a, a, um, a guru of astrology. I know a few people who are. I have to go talk to them. But I, I ask regularly, you know, what, what does it say up in there? What does the star say? Um, what's going on? What kind of alignments are happening? That's why 2012 was such an important time with all those planets lining up. And, um, you know, it really, it makes a difference on what's going on in our own bodies and what's going on in our, you know, relationships with people where these planets are all stacked at. And the same thing with, you know, just how the universe works. Like when you look at a tree, uh, you see all these branches that come to the top and it gives life to the birds and the squirrels and everything else. And deep down in the ground, there's a whole nother system, whole root system that looks identical almost to the way the branches branch out up into the tree. They're just in the ground, but it's the same thing. They give life to the worms and the bugs and everything else. So there's a whole ecosystem at the bottom of the tree and there's one of the above the tree as well, but they're both giving life to different animals and insects and, and things like that. And so, you know, as above, so below, we hear this concept all the time and we don't even, you know, I don't have a lot of conversation with people about it. I, I feel like I'd like to have more because I feel like it is such a profound understanding. Um, so within, so without, uh, you know, what's going on, how, you know, and just talking about trees, I mean, our, the nervous system in our bodies, uh, the veins in our bodies, they all branch out in the Fibonacci sequence, just like a tree does. So we're literally walking trees um, and, and how that things are going on in our body are the same things going on in outside the world. And I, you know, to some extent, the, the way we live on the top of the planet, on the top of the earth is definitely how, you know, similar to what's going on inside our earth. I definitely 100% believe inside our earth, there are many cities, some made by man, some made by other, you know, or some made by homo sapiens, some made by other, other folks down there. Um, but there's definitely life that's going and living uh, beneath us and beneath our feet in a way that we, you know, most of us would be totally shocked to understand. And so how the things and the, the animals, I mean, just like birds flying around in the sky and then there's, you know, manta rays or whatever flying around in the water down below. I mean, it's, you know, and, and not just things that we can see, but even the microscopic level where, you know, our cells are dividing like little universes out there in the universe and so uh, the biggest you know cosmic scale we can think of how cells are born and i mean how stars are born and stars die our cells are really doing the same thing so so within so without and in learning how this works learning to me one of the biggest things about just knowing this principle in general is like knowing that i am the universe i'm not disconnected from I'm not a part of it i'm not you know a part i am it literally and that is one of the things that 
for me many years ago, like looking for a connection, I really wanted a connection. I didn't want to be some random person walking on the universe who wasn't a part of it. Like I, to know that, to know, you know, the way your fingers branch out and the Fibonacci sequence and you, you carry that blueprint in your body and your DNA and your DNA is a double helix spiral wave pattern, just like the Milky Way galaxy that you're it, you know, you, everybody's saying, I want to look for God. I want to find God. I'm like, man, God's in you, man. <laughs> There's nothing out there that's not going to be in you. And so that to me was one of the things like, man, it really gave me a lot of peace, a lot of, a lot of love for myself, a lot of grace for myself and gratitude for myself to say, you know what? Hey man, you're an awesome person. You're a good person. I'm not just blowing myself up here. Same thing for every single one of you, every single one of you, no matter where you, where you are, where you're at right now, you know, what you've done, you know, the universe loves you, man. You're a part of it as much as anybody else ever has been or ever will be. So give yourself a little bit of grace and, and a little gratitude and love yourself a little bit. Principle three, the principle of vibration, nothing rests. Everything moves. Everything vibrates. Everything has its own vibes in a constant state of vibration, thoughts, feelings, the earth itself. And different planets have different vibratory frequencies about them. Even rocks. Um, you know, I love that quote in Avatar when he's talking about Jake Sully and he's like, even a rock sees more. You know, a rock is part of that consciousness still. You know, we may not think of it like that, but like if everything's conscious, there's some things that are just a little bit more conscious and have a little bit more awareness than others. And, you know, to some extent, even that rock sees a little bit to me. And books, even like a book, and it would be hard to think, well, all books are made of paper, you know, some are soft and some have hardbacks, but, you know, relative and made of the same things with printed, you know, printed ink on them. And people say, how could a book have a different ratio? Well, what's in that book? You know, what fills those pages? Those words have vibration, even words and letters and, you know, like the letter A may not have as high vibration as some Sanskrit symbol or even like maybe a Japanese symbol, because a Japanese symbol, usually just one symbol means a lot of things where the letter A is just A. Um, but the words literally have a vibration themselves. And so when information that is truth, that is deep truth, like seven hermetic principles being on a book, as opposed to how to draw a cat, having that book with you, just not even reading it, keep it in your back pocket, keep it in your car, I would suggest <laughs> I have a couple books like that, the Tao Te Ching and other books that I just, you know, I want them with me all the time. You know, and I heard Wayne, Do Wayne Dyer say that before. He's like, you know, just keep it with you all the time. You know, and that's why osmosis is a real thing. Like just putting a book under your pillow and, you know, telling the universe, you know, I'm willing and open to hear anything you have to give me and say, I'm not saying don't read those books, but I, I really do believe and know, and I've experienced keeping things with me of high vibration, whether it's crystals or books or, um, you know, certain jewelries and, and stones and things like that have carried uh, information for me and helped me um, feel a different way, a certain way, you know, keeping a, a, a rose quartz makes me feel a little bit more loving than keeping, you know, like an emerald in my pocket. And each one of those has a different vibration. They do different things. They're good at different things. And, um, you know, it really doesn't matter. I, I mean, I don't carry them around as much as I used to, but I used to carry when I really started waking up and, you know, really felt like these things are important. 
I carry a lot of crystals in my pocket, little pocket size ones. And just think about the structure of how that thing is made and how this, this stone has become crystallized. And, you know, same kind of word from Christ. I mean, Christ and all our bodies are made of water. And so if you become a Christ, you become someone who's completely loving and, and beautiful as you, you know, as you deep down are, um, you can crystallize your own water. And so these structures that we just keep in our auric field really kind of help um, align your auric field just a little bit more. So books, crystals, things of that high vibrational frequencies. Uh, I would say if you're, you know, something struggling a little something, you need a little extra help, man, go find that crystal. Go find a book and keep it with you. Read it. Uh, but keep it with you all the time and help you out. So everything has... Um, you know, vibrations, you know, our, our emotions, our thoughts, you know, they're higher vibrational thoughts and higher vibrational emotions, you know, especially the ones that, you know, really feel good. Um, love is a higher, more sporadic wave pattern than fear, which has higher crescents and lower troughs. So love is definitely 100% a more higher vibrational frequency than fear. And that to me is, you know, 100% obvious when you really think about it. And just think about just in general, you know, mountains and things like that, like the mountains are high and have these really high um, peaks and everything to them. And when you're in the mountains, as opposed to like low lying elevation, um, you know, flatlands uh, of our country, or whatever in America, you feel so much more like a higher vibrational frequency. And to me, a lot of times the things I want to talk about when you go find these ashrams and, um, you know, different spiritual centers and stuff, and they're, oh, you know, especially like Crestone, Colorado, up from the top of these mountains and then Tibet, all these, you know, different ashrams and everything um, on the top of mountaintops. And, you know, that's, that's where this high vibrational frequency is, you know, because these mountains are high, high frequency. And, um, you realize sometimes for me, there's some things that I think about like, man, you don't even want to fight somebody. You don't want to argue with somebody while you're up here. Um, you feel peaceful. You know, you feel like you sometimes don't have as much energy to to do a lot of things. So you want to stay focused on what's good. And, and sometimes, you know, I notice for some people being up here in these high elevations can bring up things that you are struggling with and you're dealing with and some people can't handle it and they have to leave and move back to where they came from. But, um, high vibrational frequencies are all around us and all the things and all the things, books, emotions, feelings, thoughts. And so, you know, really, honestly, it's really important to learn how to master our thoughts and master our emotions. Because when you master thyself and your environment, you can master harmony and resonance and be that person that you want to be and be that change you want to be. And you can change the vibes of a room I instantly. I've definitely gone into places where people are, um, you know, maybe talk, talking about somebody or something gossiping. And I walk in and, you know, it's not something that I do or engage with people about. And so... Uh, whether people know that about me or not, it's definitely something that people stop doing, I feel like, as opposed to invite me in to that conversation where a lot of people, you know, they want want to invite your friend. They want to invite people in. They want people to bash other people and and talk about other people and feel that emotion because there's something about it that kind of feels like mischievous to talk about others and things like that. So um, 
and they want to add to that vibe, but you can, you can clear that out real quick and people stop doing it because ultimately they know it's not what you should be doing. And yeah, your higher vibration can supersede that of all these lower vibrational fears. And, and that's what it is, you know, talking about people is, you know, fear of being different and things like that, making yourself feel good because you're tearing other people down. So vibration, I love it. I think it's incredible. You know, Nikola Tesla talked about everything is vibrational frequency. So these are things, these hermetic principles are things that we we see these incredible scientists or spiritual leaders, um, these really people, you know, kind of profound knowledge and wisdom talking about, not usually to these things together, but, you know, we've, we've talked about all these things many times with many different people around the world. Um, and they, they, they talk about it with vigor, how important it is to know these things and that everything vibrates. Number four, the principle of polarity. This is probably one of my favorites. Everything is dual. Everything has poles. Everything has its pair of opposites. Like and unlike are the same. Opposites are identical in nature, but different in degree. Extremes meet. All truths are but half-truths, and all paradoxes can be reconciled. That's a crazy one. I love it. I love everything about that statement. Something about that for me, the duality in me, you know, I see it. I get it. I realize, you know, so many people in our world today are polarized and we have to see the wholeness. Uh, and we'll get to that in a second, but hot and cold are usually the extremes of temperature. And that's probably one of the first things people use to explain this uh, principle number four. But they are extremes of temperature. They're both temperature. And hot and cold, they're, they differ in degree. But in all honesty, they're relative. I mean, where you think hot is and where I think hot is different. What's hot in comparison to bath water and what's hot into washing your dishes are two different temperatures. Um, cold's the same way. And, and that's relative. But in all honesty... You know, when you get to be the extreme parts of these of temperature, you can burn something with cold in the same way you can burn something hot. And so they're alike in that way. And I think that's really important to realize. And these, this is one of the ones for sure that, um, you know, and just studying things, you know, reading things, reading Christ's teachings. He said it's better to be hot or cold than lukewarm. So it's better to be cold than lukewarm. And what is he saying? He's saying it's better to be one of these extremes than, than to be in the middle. Because you learn something from those strings. You got a cold life, living homeless, maybe hungry. You know, you realize, okay, whatever I've been doing may not be the thing I want to do, but this is the extreme to get me on track to do what I need to be doing in my life to feel good about myself, to feel like I'm I'm here doing my mission that I came here to do. So no judgment. Hey, you're hot or cold, things are working for you, they're not working for you. But if they're not, that's great because that's just sledgehammer blow. You eventually need to get up and go do something and change your life. Uh, and sometimes people won't do it. They're lukewarm. You know, I got some money. I got a job, got a little extra cash. You know, you don't see the importance of going, having to do something. But when you lose that job, when you, that relationship is ended, you know, it, it, you're like, okay, now's the time. You know, I feel like my low and I don't, like that resonance of feeling like that. I want to change myself. So it gives you that opportunity to change. But yeah, both hot and cold are relative. And, and 
how we perceive those things, we have to realize that they're really eventually the same thing. Um, kind of like hate and love. Um, I know that sounds crazy. Like how are hate and love identical, but they're both extremes of emotion and you can change, go to go back to either one if you want to. And they're both needed at some point, but there are definitely people in my life that I feel like I truly hated. Like I hated the person that they were and, but they would keep coming back on my life and I couldn't get them to go away. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to listen to what this person has to say today. And when I did, I realized that person was more like me than I ever could imagine. And that the judgment I had against him was really against myself. And that when I learned to forgive and move on, then this person that I hated turned into the person that I loved, like almost instantaneously. And in, in one moment of just talking to them and hearing them out. And that changed my life. And I was like, you know, I remember I heard a celebrity one time say, hate is just love in reverse. And people were laughing at him. I was like, man, you know, in some way, it kind of is like, it is just an extreme of emotion. And um, you can flip it any way you want to. You can really hate someone. And next, you know, next moment, if you're willing to listen to them, you could really love them. And to be honest, like, you know, people say, well, you should only love people and they should only feel love all the time. And I, you know, I do talk about that a lot, but there are cases and times when hate is needed. Um, I think that's super important to realize, like even Christ said, you'll learn to hate your mother and father in my name. I thought about that. And that's something I never heard about in church, but I was like, how is this relative? How is it that I need hate? How is it, why would I need to hate somebody? And especially my parents, you know, like in the name of truth. Yeah, I get it. But, I, you know, I thought about this for so long. Eventually, I just came to the realization that sometimes hate motivates us. That if I was to see something terrible happen out there in the world, sometimes it wouldn't be just to love my heart to want to go do something. Sometimes what you see has to make you so mad, make you so angry that you get up and you do something about it. Or maybe love doesn't motivate me in that same way. Um, I often think about, you know, people working out sometimes. You get pumped, you get a little angry, but it's not like angry at anything. But that feeling allows you to do things. Sometimes being in that anger, feeling adrenaline, you can do things you're not capable of without it going. So like feeling, you know, maybe feeling sometimes feeling some anger and feeling that that adrenaline flow through. You can move things and pick things up that you normally couldn't do. So I think... Honestly, there is a time and a place for everything. You can get a boost from love. You can feel those endorphins and feel that feeling. You can get a boost from hate. You can feel some adrenaline. They can help you do something that you would normally do. Like I said, stop stop somebody from doing something that they shouldn't be doing, taking advantage of somebody else. And, you know, you see these videos where people do that sometimes, and some people never do anything. And, you know, I know they're feeling probably confusion whatever what to do or maybe I you know, maybe someone else will say something but maybe someone else will do something but you know if you can learn to live in these extremes sometimes they can motivate you to do and give you that boost to do something that you need to do at that time so all those although we say you know love everybody love everyone and and live in that love frequency man there are time and a place for everything and um sometimes hey hey can't help you kick a little butt when you need to <laughs> um moving on and and so both important for us to realize uh, and realizing it's a spectrum. What uh, being polarized is, is really, I feel like in the end of the day, detrimental to our growth. And we can see both sides. You can realize they're the same. You know, oftentimes 
everybody, you know, some people on this side, this left wing or somebody's right wing gets you guys fighting the whole time because you're polarized to one side or the other. But when you sit back and you see, man, left or right wing and both part of the same bird, I don't, you know, I'm not going to support somebody just because they're this or just because they're that. I, I want to see who's in the center and who, who really wants to do the good for the people. You know, and if you have someone who's strictly going to vote for someone just because they're Democrat, strictly vote for someone just because they're Republican, you're not seeing it. And that's a way that duality of these things being different, but they're literally the same thing and they play off of each other so beautifully. It's incredible when you sit back and look at it. It's easy to see. And I think that's what's so important in this polarized world where people take sides like dark, Republican, Democrat you know, whatever it is, um, see the whole picture, see the whole thing and realize they're both part of the same thing and come back and send yourself and master that and not be engaged and be fighting people for reasons we really don't understand completely. And when I sit back and I, I allow myself to fall in that center and not be polarized, there's a lot of freedom that comes with that. And so, you know, that's one of the things about these these principles are there so profound in mastering yourself, mastering this kind of walk with the universe for you to wake up and take back your life and take back your power. And um, that's the main reason why I'm sharing these tonight. I think these principles can bring us to our own personal renaissance. Uh, and I'll talk about that again later. So number five, the principle rhythm. Everything flows out and in. Everything has its tides. Everything has it's rise and fall. The pendulum swing manifests in everything. The measure of the swing to the right is the measure of the swing to the left. Rhythm compensates. So that's pretty obvious. You know, you see a pendulum, you pull one ball, you let it go, it knocks one, one ball over here. Do two and two. When it hits, two will come off. Three and three. Um, and that's always the coolest one because if you got five balls on there and three swing over, that means one from the previous side had to come over here and four and the same thing. So I just, you know, when, it, when you first see that, look, you're like, oh, there's this really cool or something to that. And I think that's why we like stuff like that because deep down we know that there's even more to it. This is something that's really important. Um, and as a kid, I definitely remember playing with the pendulum and being like, um, you know, if I swing it this way and it's going to go back the same amount this way. Um, it's in everything. The pendulum swing is in everything. When you pull your leg back to that degree to kick a ball, it has to go back. You can't pull your leg forward and kick the ball the other way. When, you know, it's kind of like Newton's law of motion. When you pull it back to the extreme, then the other thing can go to the extreme the other way. Um, and then I think uh, we've all heard that, you know, we all heard, we all know that our lungs expand when you take a big breath in. And then when you blow your breathe out, you contract. And that's constantly doing that. Your lungs are constantly flowing that air in and out, in and out, contract, you know, contracting and expanding. And um, so that's something that we have just in our bodies. And then the universe where people have said for so long, the universe is expanding, it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And now you're hearing some of the signs say, well, at some points, in some places, it also looks like it's contracting at the same time. Um, and that is pretty awesome. And I feel like that has to be a truth as well that as the universe expands, it also has to contract in at some point. Like it's a big lung itself breathing in and out, ebb and flow. Um, you know, I think those are things that, you know, realize and come to know uh, that's how this universe is working. And so that means creation and destruction. 
there's an ebb and flow and that destruction, just as I said earlier, hate, um, destruction is something that's needed. I mean, when the forest burns down from a fire or whatever, it gives the new growth underneath it the opportunity to grow up. Um, and that's why they even have, you know, foresters have prescribed burns and things to do just that to mimic nature. Um, but you know, civilizations are created, they're destroyed, they're built over again. Uh, these bodies, they're created, we live and we die and they're destroyed back into the earth it goes. And it's just this ebb and flow cycle over and over and over again of something that really honestly, you know, again, I think it's just one of those things that you really just open yourself up and think about it. Like it's just kind of obvious. Yeah, that's, you know, some of these things are pretty obvious. Like they're not, these aren't secrets, Jacob. I mean, um, they're just kind of natural things that are, and they're explaining the universe in a way. And that's what it is. These are laws of the universe. This is how things work and understanding that and understanding how the universe works and understanding how you work. And again, that's why I said, you know, your lungs are contracting in and out all the time. And I think this is, you know, even one of the, uh, big, um, understandings in the Bible is that God, you know, God, the Lord giveth and taketh away. You'll have things, you'll have cars, you'll lose cars, you'll have, you know, certain objects for a while, you'll, you'll lose objects, you'll find new ones, things come and they go, money comes and goes, you know, um, things like that happen. And we have to just understand, don't try to hold anything you try to hold on to too tightly, you can be almost assured that thing is going to leave. But allow that ebb and flow to happen for you, for things to come in your life, relationships, people, events, things, and come out. And it's constantly going to happen to you in life. People are going to uh, die. People are going to come in. People are going to be significant. People are going to move away. And the ebb and flow is uh, completely uh, important for you to understand in your life. So mastering this principle is learning how to center yourself so that you don't consciously or subconsciously act to counter an emotion, causing the pendulum to swing too wildly from one side to the other. And that's exactly what I think fear is, is that, you know, things are really great and then things are really bad. And it's just, you're in this fear state where it's really hard to, you know, feel good. It's like, cause man, the highs are really good, but then these things down here are really bad. And that can really devastate you. And if you're not in that good feeling time and then all of a sudden something's bad and you're not realizing, Hey man, the things that I'm getting, the love that's here now, this incredible moment that I'm in, it's not going to last forever. And there's going to be something else that happened. That's going to challenge me. It's going to help me grow. And I can't be too focused on one or the other and stay centered in that and know that everything is truly happening for me. That leads to a state of inner peace in which the foundation, your foundation is strong and you can remain unbothered by circumstances around you. That's that's the most important thing, I feel like, in this whole uh, understanding of this principle. It's like the universe is a giant wave happening with tides coming in and out, you know, low tide and high tide. And we are all kind of surfers trying to surf on this wave of, of life and when you are not surfing on top and you fall down and you're crashing in the water and the tides are high, you know, it's tough. You feel like you're drowning. You feel like, 
you know, you're missing out and life is hard and you're struggling. And if you can learn how to, you know, surf that incredible wave called life, it can be really fun and really exciting. And, you know, you have a lot of gratitude, but it doesn't stop people from dying. It doesn't stop challenging things from happening, but it changes the way you see it, that you see the challenge, that you see the next big wave. And you can be like, okay, I'm ready for it. Let's jump on it and go. And I think that's what's most important about this one is to realize that you're not going to stop certain things from happening, but you can center yourself and be ready for the things and be grateful for everything that happens and, and have a sense of peace about life that a lot of people don't have probably in this particular time because things are really tough. And maybe many people feel like they are drowning and not on top of the wave, but rather being crushed by it. So we learn to adapt, we learn to change, and learn to surf the wave. Number six, the principle of cause and effect. Every cause has its effect, we know, and every effect has its cause. Everything happens according to law. Chance is but a name for law, not recognized. There are many planes of causation, but nothing escapes the law. So the universe is governed by laws, meaning nothing happens without reason. You may not be able to directly pinpoint a specific cause for the certain effect because the cause may happen on different planes of existence, Existence, but every action has a ripple effect that leads to a con to, to consequence. So, you know, just because something happened to you physically and many people think, well, you know, it's just I'm old, getting old, so this thing happened to me, now I got to go to the doctor. And then he can give me a pill and, you know, make it tolerable, make it better for the most part. You know, just that's just happened because I'm old or whatever, you know, no, you can live a long, beautiful, happy, physically abled life and never have to have anything happen to you. I really believe and, you know, die, you know, uh, transition back into the ether into, you know, in, in a very peaceful, harmonious way, as many people do. And then some people struggle and are in, uh, hospice care and other places for long periods of time. I don't find that something that's just a coincidence or something that just happened to certain people. If this law is true, and I believe that it is, that means that nothing is by chance. We have to realize that everything has happened for us, like I said before, for opportunity to grow and to learn and to be better people. If we realize that, I think that helps us to know for sure, for certain that these things are happening for us and not to us. The universe isn't just, you know, beating us up and hating us and jealous and all the things that we were told back in the day. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's like karma. People talk about karma being positive or, you know, or negative. Um, you know, karma doesn't always have to be a bitch, right? It's, and I said this before, you know, karma is usually only a bitch if you are. <laughs> if, you, if you're if you rude, people will be rude back to you. If you're, if you're an angry guy, people might be angry back to you. And it has to be. It has to show you. It's going to show you. The universe is literally going to show you exactly what you are. Here it is. And that total field that I'm giving out has to be what I get back in my and get back in my field. And when I get back from everybody else, and everybody else is just the mirror back to me of, of what I am. And that going to show you a lot eventually to grow and like okay what i put out in the field is important what i say to people how i make people feel that's super important so karma is something that can be something beautiful for you and something great for you if you're putting the right things out and you're receiving that back sometimes we don't realize 
the universe is not giving us because we held back. So sometimes when you see that homeless person and you look at them or, or somebody who needs a helping hand in some way, or somebody calls you to help you move their stuff in their house and you have the opportunity and you feel called to do it and you say, I could, but I just don't really want to. And that's fine. You know, no judgment. But when it comes around next time, when you need help, when you need someone to come see you and you ask somebody and they can't do it for you for the same reasons, the universe, I feel like at that point is mimicking your actions. And I feel like a lot of times when I held back and giving money is when I had the opportunity to get something I didn't. But when I gave happily and gratefully gave to people, then sometimes that day, sometimes right after, sometimes a couple of days later, I would sell something or get something or find something um, on the side of the road at a, at a thrift store or something. I was like, man, this is exactly what I needed. And if you're someone who gives somebody exactly what they need and a little bit more, guess what? The universe is going to give you exactly what you need and a little bit more. If you're someone that holds back from giving because you feel like you don't want to, or you're limited in your resources. I mean, it's funny because you don't, you don't, not give hugs out because I don't have enough hugs to give. But people do that with money. Money's energy too, just as much as a hug is. You think, well, think money's limited. I only have, I only have $55 in my account, so I can only give so much. But money's an energy like anything else. And if you weren't, if you're not going to hold back on giving someone a hug because you have plenty of love to give, then you shouldn't really think of money in the same way. Think of money as just a resource and energy that you have an unlimited amount of, and you can give to people. And when you do that, I really have seen, at least personally for myself, when I do it with gratitude and, you know, gratefulness uh, to be able to give somebody and help somebody out. The universe gives back to me. And that's not the, you know, probably the reasoning for it, as I feel like it is oftentimes better to give. I feel better about giving than getting myself. But there, I'm not going to say definitely receiving is good too. There are times we all need to receive and we all want to feel that we're being looked after and the universe is given to us. And you know what I mean? Receiving is an art just as much as giving is. Sometimes people give you a compliment, tell you how good you look today, or, you know, you seem really light things, you know, whatever it is. And it was, Oh no, nah, man, you know, whatever. You don't even want to take it in. You don't even want to receive a compliment from somebody sometimes because whatever reason you don't feel good enough. You don't, you don't, you're not allowing and receiving to come in, but that give and flow and give and receiving is an ebb and flow as, as much as anything else is. So instead of being affected by all the other things that people are saying or doing, become your own cause so that you're not affected by what other people do. I remember when I was a kid and I would, following around what other people were doing just to be a part of something. And I would get in trouble for things that I wouldn't normally get in trouble for. I wouldn't normally do. Now, as you get older, you're like, man, I'm not going to hang around with that crowd. I know if I hang around with these people, what we're going to do. I know if I go do this place, I know what's going to happen. I know if I date that kind of person, I know what my life is going to be like. But if I can stand behind my intuition and the things that I know become my own cause of what I'm going to do, what I'm going to strive for, and what my focal points are going to be, I become now my own cause to my own effect. And I think that is profound. And we all know that if you want to you want to work out and you have bigger muscles, go hang out with people who are doing that, go to the places that that's happening at. It's not going to happen at the bar, you know, or think about it for an hour or a day, you know, really think about it and you probably gain some muscle mass too. But become your own cause 
So that's what you're affected by instead of by other people. That I think is probably one of the most important things for this particular uh, principle of um, cause and effect. All right. So last one, number seven, the principle of gender. Gender is in everything. Everything has its masculine and feminine principles. Gender manifests on all planes. Not a, it's this, so this is not about like sexual gender. This is about like the balance of masculine and feminine. So just like our brain, we have two hemispheres, we have two sides. Our left is masculine and the right brain is feminine. So the left has the logical, the analytical, you know, thoughts, the math, the sciences, and the and the right side is the feminine side, the creativity, the art. And you know, really that's why we have called a left brain society. And most people are right-handed because the right hand is, is connected to that left hemisphere. The whole right side of the body is. Um, that as we become engaged with that right side, with that creativity and that art and those characteristics that really um, are what the right brain is all about, you can become like ambidextrous. Like someone like Leonardo da Vinci who was able to write and paint with both hands because he was encompassing both parts of his brain. I think it's really important for us to use whatever non-dominant you hand you uh, non-dominant hand more often so that you can help that brain, um, that half of the brain to work more, which is usually for most of us, that right part of the brain. So we have to realize like, not only do we have, you know, this masculine and feminine parts of our brain that we can use more of and we can have balance in, which is really important. Realizing that the masculine and feminine have qualities and characteristics that manifest in all of us. So just because I'm a guy doesn't mean that I don't have feminine characteristics, that I don't have um, feminine emotions and, and things like that. In fact, me diving into those and being balanced with my masculine and feminine is going to make me much more centered and peaceful human being and knowing more and understanding more and being in more flow for myself. So typically the, the feminine is nurturing it's preserving. It's more receptive when we talked about earlier. So being able to receive things, compliments, uh, understandings, and that energy that sustains and gives, um, and it gives and it gives and sustains and gives value to existence. And the masculine is more active and assertive, explorative. It's the giving out of, of uh, energy and more often and expressing and that driving forward force and explore to go out, you know, but if you, if you have imbalance in these energies, it can lead to a lot of disharmony. So, you know, say you had, uh, and it can be true for, you know, you have too much masculine for a woman or a man. doesn't mean because a man is going to be too masculine, a woman going to be too feminine that we know that's not true. A woman can have way more, uh, masculine characteristics than a, and then she does feminine. And for me personally, for me personally, I feel like I'm in this body to learn more of the masculine. That throughout lifetimes, I've been both mass men and women. And I I feel like I really, for myself, perfected a lot of things in the in the women in the in the feminine department, or things that I learned how to nurture, how to caretake, um, how to receive, and those kind of things. And so, you know, as I as I kind of master that essence 
Now the universe says, okay, now you need to, you really need to work on that masculine. Let's put you in some masculine bodies and learn how to be a father, learn how to be, um, you know, go out and explore and um, do embody those um, assertiveness and things like that, that I'm normally passive about. It's time to go in a body and be that so you can learn more because you use mouse and this is a whole this is the whole lifestyles. I mean, life and reincarnation and being different people and learning different essences and, and attributes and characteristics to become a more fulfilled human and more. And this is all, you know, these, these lifetimes that were all deep down in our souls. And they're just a, there's just a snap, you know, just a tiny little piece of the wholeness of that you are, but we do go live these lives to learn and to grow. And we take that stuff with us when we leave. I really do believe every life is embedded and, and sealed down in our DNA. It's never forgotten. We deep down, we know, and I feel like now more than ever for me, it feels like all these lives are bleeding together into now. So I have access to these, to these characteristics and to these lives. So anyway, what I was saying, too much masking leads to expansion or progress without regard of the impact that you have. So, and I feel like we do see that the things people are trying to do, make more money, um, you know, take over countries and nations, and you don't care what you have to do to get there, what you have to do to expand your empire, what you have to do to make more money. Who do you have to hurt? Who do you have to talk about? Um, that's that masculine being out of balance, right? Too much. And, um, and, and it hurt and you don't care who you hurt. And that's, you know, where the feminine, if you have some of that, you're not going to do that. You know, it's balanced out. You, you're still going to do that expansion exploration, but you're not going to do it to the disregard of hurting others. And then too much feminine without that balance of the masculine can lead to stagnation where progress is hindered by focusing on preservation and the present. And that's important too. You know, we need, both of these aspects, both of these essences to come together, both of our brains to be equally used, both of that divine masculine and feminine within us to help us have so much more harmony, balance, and higher states of consciousness and being in flow. To me personally, as someone who is a caretaker, which is you know, typically you know, a female job, uh, I love it. I absolutely embody it, and I feel like I'm really good at it, and I work with young people and older people. Um, and I feel like I'm at my best when I really am ebbing and flowing in my masculine and feminine. Uh, you know, I can be strong and, um, loving in a masculine way to people and helpful and, you know, get my point across and let them know and be assertive and say, you know, that's not going to work for us. And then, you know, there's some points in my job where I feel like I totally need to be nurturing right now to this individual. I totally need to be accepting and loving in, th in that feminine kind of way and embrace them, hug on them, let them know they're doing a good job. And if I only were to stay in one of these essences of the masculine film or the other, it would be harder, much harder for me to do this job. And I feel like because I'm able to flow into those different feelings and different, you know, different aspects of myself that I can do my job in a better way. And that I can be around other people in a better way and make people feel supported. And that I truly, I really do care. I really do care about your well-being. I care about you growing and being a better person. And I feel like honestly, every single person that I work with really knows that about me. Like that's true and genuine. And um, I think that's, you know, something that we can all do and we can all be in flow. And even in these incredibly challenging or difficult times, jobs, events that happen, if you are able to 
embody that divine masculine sometime and sometimes flow in that divine feminine, whatever comes your way, you can be ready for it. Those two powers inside of you. I don't even think we, I, I know for me, I don't even realize, I mean, I, I starting to realize the importance of both, but I don't even think I truly realized the, the, the full capacity of what um, being able to go back and forth and those things and flow with that, what it could, what it could be. But I do believe 100% it could put you in the right place with the right person at the right time. Always. You're always ready. You're always um, in that flow state. So whatever happens to you, no matter what you can be your best self, put your best foot forward, put your best foot forward. So bringing all these together in balance can birth, in my opinion, your own personal renaissance, learning how each and every single one of these principles help you master yourself, master your thoughts and your emotions. So you're not saying things that you regret later on. You're not not doing the things that you wish you said in that moment or you wish you did in that moment. You're doing those things. You're reaching out to that person who's at the end of their rope and you feel like I need to reach out to them and talk to them. Um, you're living the life that you have without any regrets, uh, any wish I did this or that, um, and you're doing it in a way that you feel good about it, and it's authentic to yourself. That to me is, you know what I mean? And, and, and really bringing out your creativity and your art and your, and your work and your personal life and your relationships, you're bringing out the best in everybody that you know, they're bringing the best out of you. And that is what that, that to me is just part of what your personal renaissance can look like being in the, in a, in a great relationship, you know, being in the right job, feeling like, man, everywhere I go, I'm in the right place at the right time, always. Um, and honestly, I think there are a few people that know these principles and they don't want you to know it. And it, and that's why they call stuff like this esoteric information. It's secret information. And they don't want people empowered with it. And so things like this are not talked about in school or not talked about in colleges. They're, you know, things written that have been preserved and passed down that you have to find. And you have to be an initiate. You have to be ready to learn new things and to grow. I think a few, a few people out there want us to think that life is random that the universe is just a result of some kind of implosion, that negative and positive are opposites and not the dual explanation of oneness. They want us to think that something physical is only, that something is only physical and that to treat and hold on, that something is physical only and not treat the way it's happening and that it could be a spiritual reason that this is happening. Let me go back. I just wrote that wrong. I want you to think that something is just a physical problem or something. And that there's nothing that you're doing emotionally or spiritually or mentally that could be causing cancer or causing a problem in your life. Um, they just say, Oh, well, you got cancer. Take this radiation. That'll fix you. Um, take this pill and make you feel better. And we don't realize those are like band-aids and they, they may stop something from happening now but it may cause other problems because you're putting chemicals and stuff into your body and realizing that maybe sometimes the way we think can cause cancer. Maybe the way we feel sometimes can cause cancer or cause other autoimmune diseases or ailments. So they want us to think something's physical only and that we can't treat and 
and not treat it the why is happening. And yeah, I messed that up. And so anyway, this could be for a spiritual reason that this is happening. And for us to be polarized to one side, not realizing the whole situation, they want you to be on Democrat or I want you to be on Republican. I don't care which one, you know, as long as you're on one or the other. Instead of sitting back and being independent and being like, you know what? I just want freedom. I want freedom for everybody. I want everybody to thrive. I want everyone to be able to do what they want without hurting somebody else and be happy with that. And so they want people to be polarized to one side or the other and not seeing the whole situation. And they don't, and they, and they want us to not realize the wholeness of this whole situation. I'm, and you are all that is. I embody all and I'm therefore whole. And I think that's so important with these dualistic concepts. Everything is valid. Everything's important. Every side is a side to the wholeness. It's important for us to understand these concepts and to balance, harmonize, and master our lives. Because so many on this planet are slaves to their life. They're slaves to their desires, to the things that they feel like they have to do because they don't have that connection that we were talking about earlier. They don't feel connected. So they give in to porn. They give in to drinking. They give in to drugs. They give in to sex with people that you don't really love and care about. And you just want to take advantage of people. Uh, and they're giving in to these desires that make you weak instead of having discipline, eat, you know, not eating the sugars and the, taking the drugs and all the things. Um, we can master our emotions. We can master our thoughts. We can master the ability to not give in to those things and give in to those desires. And I think ultimately that's what many of these ancient masters told us. You know, you can master this, this life and this universe and your, and your desires. So no discipline and give it all into temptation, or you can master your life and have discipline and be content, happy, fulfilled, realize dual, the dualistic nature of life, live in the light and the dark. Everybody wants to be a light worker in the light, but at the same time, if we don't have darkness, the light's going to kill you. If it was light all day outside, we wouldn't be living on this planet. The balance of light and dark is, is needed. It's inevitable. It's, it's something that we have to come to terms with and realize that the balance is important. Can't have light without dark. Can't have dark without light. The yin and the yang, light gives birth to the dark and the dark, dark gives birth to the light. You give in to one easier than to another. But if you feel full, you don't need those things. When you do harmonize and balance your life, then you do the same for this world, which is very polarized. We don't realize that how important us getting out of the polarization of feeling uh, a certain way or, or subscribing to a certain political view. When we take ourselves out and we center ourselves in, in, and find that peace and harmony and realize and look back and see the whole picture, you do that in your own life, you are literally creating a little bit more balance in this world. There's absolutely no doubt about that. We have a world that's completely off balance. It's completely wild in your crazy ride right now. And it could be so much more harmonious and so much more balanced and centered. And all we have to do is do that for ourselves. Because first first and foremost, your reality is based on your thoughts and your, and your emotions and your feelings and how you interact and react to what the universe has given you and challenges that are happening for you. So all you have to do is balance yourself. And you balance yourself in your life 
and your partner can do that and your kids will reflect that the relationships we're going to have are going to reflect that if you truly have done the work people that you meet up at random places you're going to constantly be in that state of flow where you're at the right place at the right time meeting the right people in the right situations and finding the next piece of that next puzzle the next bread crumb. i say all these things to you guys because i know it's true i know it's happening for me and i know it's happening for other people around me this is a teaching that i want to, i really do believe can bring us in our own personal renaissance and a collective cultural renaissance that i believe that we're on the cusp of i believe that what happened in the renaissance in the past what happened in the great awakenings of the past we're on the cusp of an incredible awakening happening on this planet it's not happened it's not gonna happen it is happening um the snowball effect is real the ripple in the universe is real and as we think so it shall be and as we feel so it is you guys, I'm incredibly grateful to be here with you guys tonight. I'm incredibly grateful to share a message like this. It kind of ends up being my message every night, I think. <laughs> but it is true. As we do the work, as we be the change we want to see, it really does happen. And it happens more and more. And it gives permission for the others to, to know that it's possible. To not believe in somebody else, but believe in yourself and believe that you can do it. I don't need someone to come save me from my problems. I need to save myself from my problems. I need to be the hero of my own journey. And if we do that, I 100%, the renaissance on this planet will be far beyond probably our wildest dreams to have pyramids of Giza with the, the white coated limestone and have the Stonehenge be rebuilt and the pyramids and the temples and to live in a world again, where these things will be rebuilt in an incredible way that they were in the past and live in a, a life like Atlantis or Lemuria. And we will live in similar lives again. What has happened will come back and come, come back again. That's the ebb and flow. That's what we have to know. These things not just happened here in the past, but they're here now too. And there are people who live this way already, whether it's on top of the earth or in, inside it, it's already here and it's now. And we just have to dive into that deeply and knowing that and so it is i want to thank you guys all tonight for joining me another great episode of mystery school i'm incredibly grateful to be here the light in me sees honors and recognizes the light the divine the godlike nature the love the oneness that's in each and every single one of you namaste